And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Rhino's got him set up on the rope right here. Another edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. I am your host, Dan Rhino, and it is so good to be back with you once again as we continue our journey through the history of women's pro wrestling, a project that we started many months ago, a project that I will say on every episode and continue to say how surprised I was by how many episodes this was going to end up taking. I was thinking it was going to be one, maybe two episodes, and quickly realized that I had uh, way underestimated that prediction, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with doing the research. It has been a lot of work, but it's been a blast being able to present this uh, project to you. I've learned a lot. I feel like my appreciation of the history of women's wrestling and some of the unsung heroes in that history has has grown exponentially and I really appreciate everybody taking this journey with me as we saw the last episode of the Rhino Wrestling Review be our most downloaded episode ever so I really appreciate that uh, thank you to everybody who has listened to me guest star on Doug E Wrestling show STF Underground each week and I think some of you have come, in, uh, come over to the Rhino Wrestling Review to a sample what we have over here which is a little bit of a different format and some of you are enjoying it and sticking around so I appreciate the emails I appreciate the uh, DMs on Twitter follow me on Twitter at Dan Rhino follow the show on Twitter at Rhino underscore wrestling and like we said we are continuing our journey through the history of women's wrestling and today we get into an era that is super polarizing in wrestling history in general, but in particular women's wrestling history. And that being what is known as the Divas era in WWE. And this was an era that some people remember it as throwaway matches that featured beauty pageant contestants that were quickly taught wrestling basics and had at best, passable matches that only lasted a few minutes and gave everyone a chance to grab some popcorn or go to the bathroom. On the other hand, there are those that remember this era very fondly because it gave us some of the most well-regarded women's wrestlers of all time, like Beth Phoenix and AJ Lee and Mickie James, who we talked about on the last episode. And this era is fondly remembered by some because it was also a catalyst, whether it be on accident, as it may have been, it was a catalyst for the women's evolution that we're going to talk about on a future episode. Which 
would take us to where we are today. So some people say we wouldn't get the excellent women's wrestling scene that we have today without the Divas era. So wherever you fall on the topic, let's get into it. Let's go back to the early 2000s when reality TV was the biggest thing going in broadcast television with Survivor and Big Brother drawing millions of viewers each week. WWE decided to try their luck at the reality game with Tough Enough in 2001 and the WWE Diva Search in 2003. And the Diva Search was different from Tough Enough in that it wasn't looking for the next great in-ring competitor. The Diva Search was more of a beauty contest, which if you look at it, kind of draws on the worst parts of what the ladies had to deal with during the Attitude Era, where they were just looked at as objects of lust for the fan base. But WWE made it clear that they just wanted pretty girls with great physiques. They were not shy about that. And Jim Ross always recalls on his podcasts that Vince McMahon was constantly looking for, quote, athletic tens during this era. So the WWE spent zero effort looking for ladies with wrestling talent. And this was actually something that benefited TNA during this time, like we talked about on the last episode, because TNA actually gave the women a chance to draw money in the ring. And the women's wrestling segments on TNA were some of their uh, highest rated quarter hours for for the program as a whole, so much so that they considered giving the knockouts their own show, which never materialized, but because of what the WWE was doing during this early inception of the Divas era, some of the other companies like TNA took advantage of that. But the Diva Search first happened in 2003, and it was won by Jamie Copey. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, there is good reason for that. Because all she got was a WWE magazine, remember those? She got a WWE magazine photo shoot for winning, and that was it. We never heard from Jamie Copey again as as far as pro wrestling goes. Never had a match, to my knowledge. Uh, Never had a, served in any interview role or anything like that, or backstage role with, with WWE. But the next year, in 2004, was where the winner earned $250,000 in a WWE contract. And this is where we start to see some of the names that that you're going to remember from women's wrestling history. Christy Hemme ended up winning that 2004 Diva Search. But there were actually several runners-up who were given contracts and ended up having decent runs with the company, like Candice Michelle, Maria Kanellis, and Michelle McCool. But this diva search thing was, let's, let's just say it was not the height of female empowerment. They had the ladies introducing themselves in the ring while performing a strip tease. Each woman had to go backstage and try to seduce Kamala, the Ugandan giant. They had to seductively try to sell ice cream backstage. They had a hot dog eating contest. They ran obstacle courses where wardrobe malfunctions happened. And they had a contest where they had to say bitchy things to one another. Not to mention that in 2006, Miz, who wasn't even a wrestler yet, started hosting these contests. And that made them even less watchable. 
But Christy Hemming wins in 2004. She goes on to do Playboy, goes on to have a, a decent run with the WWE and a decent run with TNA as well. Ashley Massaro wins in 2005 and also goes on to do Playboy. And Layla L. wins in 2006. And she actually has a nine-year run with the company before retiring. And in 2006, again, a lot of the runners-up, like in the previous year, were signed to contracts as well and ended up having long runs with the company. Some even ended up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Maurice was in that class, which is where she actually met her future husband, The Miz. Rosa Mendez got signed. The Bella Twins got signed, who are currently in the WWE Hall of Fame, much to the chagrin of wrestling fans around the world. Eve Torres, a future three-time Divas champ, won the Diva Search competition in 2007. And one of my favorites, who is still going strong in NWA today and here in 2021, and had some of the best women's matches of all time against Gail Kim and TNA, that being Taryn Terrell. She was a runner-up that year as well. But it wasn't until 2008 that despite the name of the Diva Surge, the WWE made the decision to embrace the Diva's identity for all of their female talents overall. Whether they were actually talented in-ring performers or just bikini models, you are going to be known as Divas from here on out. And that began in 2008. And to really go all in with this, WWE created possibly the most absurdly awful looking title of all time, that being the Big Pink Butterfly Divas title in June 2008. So they had the WWE Women's title on the Raw brand and the WWE Divas title on the SmackDown brand. But this belt, this gaudy, awful, terrible-looking belt, is just a microcosm of the polarization of the Divas era and how people feel about it. Because on one hand, some would say that it's awesome that more women are being given TV time on wrestling programming. But with so many of the women being models and low-level actresses, and not necessarily wrestlers, this didn't sit right with a lot of the women who actually wanted to wrestle, like Beth Phoenix and Natalia. And Natalia was actually quoted as saying, I'm not a model and I don't want to dance. It isn't what I came to do in WWE. The average match sometimes for Divas was like three or four minutes. And Natalia saying that, I think she's actually kind of uh, overestimating there. I'm, I'm going to guess that the majority of the Divas matches we saw during this time were less than three to four minutes. But the saving grace for the Divas and probably for our sanity in having, having to watch these matches during this time was Fit Finley, who took the entire Divas division under his wing and is credited for teaching so many of them how to at least be passable and in the ring and in some case in the cases of some of these women how they ended up being quite good so let's start with a WWE Hall of Famer and one of the most highly regarded women's wrestlers of the modern era that being the Glamazon Beth Phoenix Beth's love of pro wrestling started at the age of 11 when she won a coloring contest and got tickets to a WWE show as her prize. And this love of wrestling continued to high school when Beth became the first female varsity wrestler in her high school's history. 
And after high school, Beth started training with Ron Hutchinson. And we've talked about Ron in previous episodes. He's the one who trained Christian and Edge, but he also trained Gail Kim and Trish Stratus, another couple of Hall of Famers. So Beth made her pro debut in May of 2001, and three years later, Beth was invited to a tryout at OVW. After two years there, she was called up to WWE and debuted on Raw in May of 2006. And when Beth first came up, she had a brief babyface run on the main roster before a freak accident ended up with her breaking her jaw in the ring, requiring a titanium plate. So you know she's tough as nails. But Beth was sent back down to OVW when the injury happened, which may not have been the worst thing for her because when Beth comes back to the main roster in July of 2007, about a year later, she's a heel and she gets the Glamazon moniker, which would end up being the catalyst for her Hall of Fame run. So Beth Phoenix begins an amazing run by winning the women's title from Candice Michelle just a few months into her return. And Beth never looked back for the next five years. Beth Phoenix won the women's title three times. She won the Divas title once. She was ranked number two in the PWI Female 50 rankings in 2008 and again in 2012. In 2010, Beth Phoenix became the second female after China to compete in the annual Royal Rumble Battle Royal and actually eliminated the great Kali in the process. And Beth Phoenix even had a nice tag team run with Natalia. And this tag team really embraced the fact that they were the outliers on the roster as the quote-unquote real wrestlers wanting to take down the models and take down the actresses that had been recruited over the last few years. And after this run, which easily could have gone on for many more years, Beth Phoenix retired in October 2012 and began dating Edge after his first marriage ended. And they've got the connection with the Ron, both being trained by Ron Hutchinson. And Beth Phoenix and Edge would go on to get married. They'd have two children uh, who you'd think would have to be super athletes in pro wrestling one day because of their genetics. And people talk about Edge's amazing in-ring return after a career-ending neck injury nine years prior, and rightly so, but... Beth Phoenix had a pretty successful return to the company as well. She was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2017, making her the quickest female to be inducted after her retirement. So just five five years, actually a little under five years after her retirement, Beth Phoenix gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. And she was the youngest inductee in history at that time, at the age of 36. So she retires at... 31 five years later at the age of 36 when she could easily still be wrestling and wrestling at a high level she gets inducted into the wwe hall of fame a couple years later she took part in the first ever women's royal rumble match in 2018 and even reteamed with her old partner natalia to challenge for the women's tag titles at wrestlemania 35 couple years after that she participated in the 2020 women's rumble and since then has gone on to become a full-time commentator with nxt and she even took a pretty nasty rko from randy orton to further the storyline between edge and randy orton uh, just a couple of years ago so beth phoenix like i said 
one of the top in-ring talents of all time. Kind of was that mix of the the powerhouse that we saw with China and a mix with uh, the more the the beauty focused talents that we would see with a lot of the divas during this era. Uh, she called herself the Glamazon for a reason. Is that is that she was able to mix the the brain the brawn with the beauty and kind of be that total package in that WWE's Divas division and really made her stand out during this time. But when we think about the Divas era, for better or worse, we often think about the ladies that maybe summed up this era best. Like I said, for better or worse. And that's the Bella Twins, Nikki and Brie. Unlike some of the ladies we talked about during this journey, Brie and Nikki were not wrestling fans growing up. And they had no aspirations of getting into the business. They did a lot of modeling, and they registered for the 2006 WWE Diva Search. And remember, the WWE expressly said that they had zero interest in female wrestlers. So this Diva Search was perfect for models and actresses. And though, as we mentioned earlier, Layla L won that year, the Bellas were among those that were signed through WWE contracts as well. And Brie and Nikki ended up in FCW, one of the developmental territories for WWE over the years, and got a lot of heat from their fellow wrestlers because they were heavily pushed there. And most felt that, rightly so, they hadn't paid their dues and were just there because they were pretty. But the twins had the opportunity to work with Dr. Tom Pritchard, one of the best trainers of his era, and... Their signature was the twin magic move, where they would trade places in the middle of the match and have the tired sister be subbed out for the fresh one. And the Bellas even used that move when they debuted on the main roster in August of 2008, with Brie getting the victory over Victoria, an established female wrestler at the time, using that twin magic. But the Bellas were not regular wrestlers for the first couple of years. They would only wrestle occasionally. They would walk out the walk out with the weekly Raw hosts, and they were valets for different wrestlers. But in April of 2011, several years into their run, Brie defeated Eve Torres for the Divas title, and one year later, Nikki upset Beth Phoenix to win her first Divas title. And even though the twins had a lot of success in 2011, their contracts were up around that time, and they wanted to take some time off of wrestling and pursue other projects but as we know you're never really done with wrestling you always come back and the Bellas would too about a year later and around that time the Bellas were cast on the e-network reality show Total Divas which allowed both sisters to show their unique personalities rather than just being interchangeable parts in random skits on WWE TV like they had been used the last few years outside of the rare kind of outlier Divas title wins that they had both have. And the reality show really began a crazy series of events for the Bellas that upped their profile even more. Brie began dating and eventually married Daniel Bryan, which was a main story arc on the Total Divas show, and Nikki started dating John Cena, which also became a story arc on the on the show. And the relationship between Brie and Daniel Bryan was not just featured on the reality show, it was also tied in 
to the WWE storylines and probably the most prominent storyline, at least in ring-wise, that Brie was ever involved in. So Daniel Bryan was the WWE champion, but had suffered a significant injury shortly into his reign and was being forced by the authority to vacate the title. Stephanie McMahon threatened to fire Brie if Daniel Bryan did not forfeit the championship. Instead, Brie quits, storyline of course, and slaps Stephanie in the face. And this leads to Brie's highest profile match of her career, taking on Stephanie at SummerSlam that year. And that was a big match that a lot of people were excited about, a lot of people were looking forward to. And it was one of the feature matches on that SummerSlam card. And just a couple months later at Survivor Series, Brie would help Nikki beat AJ Lee for the Divas title. And this is significant because this kicked off the best in-ring run of Nikki's career as she held that Divas title for 301 days, the longest Divas title reign of all time. And this long title reign was the main contributor to Nikki Bella being named number one in PWI's Female 50 in 2015. The Bella Twins ended up getting their own spinoff on E! called Total Bellas. And both ladies competed in the first Women's Royal Rumble in 2008, both making it to the Final Four. Uh, the Bellas returned to team with Ronda Rousey to win a six-person tag match in front of 70,000 people at WWE Super Show in Australia in October 2018. Then they would turn on Rousey, setting up Nikki to headline Evolution later that month, and Evolution being the first all-women's pay-per-view in WWE history. Nikki Bella got to headline that against Ronda Rousey in a losing effort for the Raw Women's title. And that would be the last prominent match that either of the Bellas would take part in, barring some kind of return in the future, which, you know, could always happen because it always happens in wrestling. But it was very fitting that the Bellas, probably the first names that come to mind when we think of the Divas era, again, for better or worse, it was very fitting that they were involved in the headlining match at the first ever all-women's pay-per-view, which that all-women's pay-per-view, which we're going to talk about in a future episode, in itself was celebrating the women's revolution and how far the women had come in the history. But it was fitting that the Bellas were in that main event spot because they kind of served as that bridge from the Divas era to the women's revolution era that we're in the midst of right now as we record this in 2021. And some of the other prominent ladies during the Divas era were Michelle McCool, the first ever Divas champion, which was, again, SmackDown exclusive title at the time while the WWE Women's Championship was on Raw. Uh, Michelle McCool, also known as Mrs. Undertaker these days, held the Divas title twice and the women's title once and was the first and only unified Divas champion, which was when they took the two women's titles and put them together, making the Divas title the one and only female title in the company. So she was the first and only ever unified Divas champion. And Michelle McCool was also ranked number one in the PWI Women's 50 in 2010, before retiring that year. So she went out on a high note. Layla L., as we mentioned earlier, the 2006 Diva Search winner, was the first British woman to be the WWE Women's Champion, and the first Diva Search winner to be WWE Women's Champion as well. 
Uh, Layla was a Divas champion as well, in addition to the WWE Women's title. And she ended up retiring in 2015 after a near-decade near run with the company, coming off that Diva Search victory. Melina is somebody who is still active today, doing work with NWA and Impact. And during the Divas era, Melina started as a valet for Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro as part of M&M. She was very famous for her splits that she would uh, use to enter into the ring. But as a wrestler, Melina was also a three-time women's champion and a two-time Divas champion and the first woman to hold each title multiple times. And finally, Natalia, somebody that I know Dougie Wrestling is going to be upset about me mentioning but we cannot mention this era without natalia another woman that is still going strong in 2021 the daughter of wwe hall of famer jim the anvil nightheart a future hall of famer herself natty is often referred to as the first third generation female wrestler natalia also benefited from the exposure and screen time on total divas and used that opportunity to really up her profile in the company and with the fans Uh, Natty is a former WWE Women's Tag Champion with Tamina Snuka, as well as a former Divas Champion, a former SmackDown Women's Champion, and, like I said, despite the outcry of my buddy Dougie Wrestling, will be taking her place in the WWE Hall of Fame sometime in the future, in addition to possibly some more of the ladies that we've talked about today. You know, the WWE... Try is tries to be d- diverse in their Hall of Fame classes, and they try to induct at least one lady each year. And I would think that some of the ladies that we have mentioned on this show, if they are not already in the Hall of Fame, like the Bellas are, that they will end up being in the Hall of Fame someday. But like I said, some people remember the Divas division fondly, some don't. Some felt that this era took time away from a lot of great in-ring performers by highlighting actresses and models instead, but talent always wins out. And toward the end of the Divas era, people started to realize that these were not popcorn matches that we were having here. There was a lot of athletic talent on that roster that was not being utilized correctly and not being given enough time to showcase what they had to offer. There were a lot of talented women toward the end of the Divas era that weren't being given a chance, so to speak. And it would be the end of the Divas era, not because the company wanted it. The the end of the Divas era didn't come about because the company made a cognizant decision to end the Divas era and go to more of a focus on the in-ring quality of the matches that the women could tell. It was because of the incredible talent that was ready to knock down the door to opportunity and give the WWE no choice but to end this Divas era and transition into this new era that we are currently in, that being the WWE Revolution era, or the Women's Revolution era, I should say. Talents like page that we're going to talk about on a future episode we briefly mentioned aj AJ lee but i i wanted to to save her uh for the next episode when we talk about this transition from the divas era into the uh, women's revolution era because aj lee was one of the main proponents and one of the main catalysts of the give divas a chance 
movement that we saw. And we're going to talk about that women's revolution on the next episode of the Rhino Wrestling Review as we continue our journey through the history of pro wrestling. I want to take the time to thank you explicitly for all the downloads. I'm just I'm humbled by it. I've started this project as just a just the Rhino Wrestling Review as a whole as just a passion project years ago when I was working for. 590 the fan here in st louis and eventually transitioned to prowrestling.com and eventually to where we are today and to see that i haven't lost anybody along the journey but that i've actually gained uh, several thousand of you is is very it's very cool it's very humbling especially with as we record this in 2020 the crazy uh, situations we're in with the wor- world right now it's it's nice to know that at least some people out there are enjoying what I'm doing and I'm enjoying bringing it to you even though it's a lot of work I really uh, I really enjoy it and I really appreciate all the support so thank you for downloading listening and subscribing until next time I am Dan Rhino you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Rhino you can follow the show at Rhino underscore wrestling Like us on Facebook, whatever podcast platform you're using, if you feel so inclined. Leave us a five-star review so we can up the profile of the show even more. Join us next time as we near the journey of the history of women's wrestling. And most importantly, don't kick out of each other's finishers. See ya! It's the R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.